Hey, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to send us your story by visiting our website at freedomlifeag.com. Welcome to Freedom. When I was 15 years old, I, uh, I prayed and gave my heart to Jesus. And it was the single most important decision I ever made in my life. Came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ when I was 15. I was one month from my 16-year-old birthday. And uh, that night I gave my life to Jesus. Not, my testimony isn't for another day. But I gave my heart to Jesus that day. It was a few months later that um, the youth had, were going to a youth convention. And I was a part of that in the New York district. And I remember sitting in this giant convention center with thousands of students. And there I was sitting almost straight away from the speaker. It was a big, almost uh, oval-like stadium, uh, similar to what our students go to now, very, very big stadium. And I was directly straight. The speaker was speaking on this giant stage. And uh, it was on one side of the room. And I was on the way other side of the room. And I was sitting there. And the preacher began preaching. And he began to talk on one, one of those particular nights. He began to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And how I need to be activate. Uh, excuse me. I need to be active in the Spirit. And activated by the Spirit. In other words, the things I need to do for God. Right? And there's things that God will do through me. And there's a difference. Being active in the spirit, meaning doing things for God. But then there's activated by the spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit is doing things through me. And I was like blown away. And he started talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And how God wants to touch each and every believer and fill him with his Holy Spirit. I'm like, I'm game. Sign me up for that. And in a few months after I got saved, I'm like, Holy Spirit, like baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want that. It has holy and it has spirit, I want that. So I remember him preaching, saying, if you want more of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you want God's gift and all that he has for you, no matter what it is, because God has more than one gift for you, he has a whole bunch of gifts for you. I don't know, about, I don't know how Christmas, uh, you like Christmas, but I like anything more than one is good. One is good, two is better. I prefer 15 or 20. That was my mentality, right? So God is like, I got all these gifts for you. And I'm like, sign me up for that. So I'm running down the steps. It's forever. At least it felt that way. And I'm trying not to fall because the room is all dark and there's fog and lights and stuff. And, you know, typical youth, you know, scenario. And I've run up to that altar. I remember asking God, would you touch me the way this man is talking about? He wants to touch his people. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to pick up that story in just a few moments, but something happened that day and something happened that day. That's very similar to what I want to talk about here today and God touching his people. He touched me that day in a way where I was filled with the Holy spirit, given wonderful, uh, encouraging words, but more than anything for me, to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, I began, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues that I never learned. See, I learned a lot of different languages growing up. I learned English, sort of, broken, but English. I learned Spanish. I learned Spanglish, 
So the derivative of both of those. I learned Ebonics, which is street talk. The stuff that everybody was talking. You laugh, but it's true. I learned Ebonics. And then all of a sudden, none of those languages are in effect right now. A language that I know nothing about, never learned, begin to fill my lips. And I was like, what is happening? My brain is saying one thing. My lip is saying another. And I had to step out to believe that whatever was in me, I'm going to let out. And that's the biggest hurdle a lot of people come across. I feel like I'm supposed to say, well, God moves on us. So let me talk. I, I, I want to talk about something that for some of you, it's a very foreign topic. Some of you grew up in a church that's very much, you know, 90 minutes. You can almost on the dime. No real uh, movement, no real hands going up. That's a new thing for you. When people say, raise your hands, you're like, why? I didn't do it. Right? I'm not guilty. I'm not raising my I don't know what I'm volunteering for. Y- y'all ever got caught in a situation like, I need a volunteer, and they're like, to take out the trash. Oh, man. I'm not raising my hand, Pastor Tony. I don't know what I'm volunteering for. But let's take a look for a few moments here today at a very important passage found in Acts chapter 8. Can you turn there with me if you have your Bibles? I want to speak to you about a pursuit in God. And so we've been talking about power for life. This is part two of the series. Part two of the series. I want to talk about it being all about pursuit. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter... And John to Samaria. But let me say this. As as we look at this text. We can look at it as a simple. They sent Peter and John. Big deal. But I want want you to know something. For the first seven chapters of the book of Acts. So many things were happening in Jerusalem. I should say most everything happening. And in Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. Chapter 6 and chapter 7. Before we get to chapter 8. There was a guy named Stephen who was martyred. Some of you remember this story. And there was persecution that hit the church. And the church was being uh, judged, persecuted. They scattered to the north, to the city of Samaria and the region of Samaria. And Philip starts to tell people that he's experienced God in a whole new way. He starts to tell of the fact that they saw Jesus physically alive after the crucifixion. How many know that when you see Jesus alive after you thought he was dead? Like that changes your theology a little bit. Right? So people in Samaria, they started hearing the disciples preach and they started receiving Jesus. They started receiving this truth. And so the people of Samaria, they begin to hear this and they prayed the salvation prayer, so to speak, as some call it. And they gave their life to Jesus and the movement was created in the city of Samaria. That's what's happening. So we fast forward that part into this part. And the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. They were like, wow, they're accepting it. They're accepting this truth. So let's go there and and let's catch this wave. Let's get the momentum. How many understand momentum? When something's going a certain direction, it takes less effort if you catch it while it's moving. Right? 
Case in point, a wave, right? You catch that wave, so to speak. Uh, a snowball going downhill. You know, you want to build a snowball. I never tried this. I never went to hills big enough. But I suspect that momentum really helps that. And that's what they were kind of trying to catch. They were trying to catch that momentum. This God is doing something in Samaria. Let's go there. Let's preach the word. Let's send some of our all-stars. Right? Let's send some of our all-stars. Peter and John, you go to Samaria and you start preaching. The apostles heard about it. So they sent Peter and John, two of their leading MVP apostles. Right? They sent them out there. Now notice this, something for a moment. I want you to look at Acts chapter 8. Verses 15 through 17. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet, next screen, come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Notice for a moment with me. I, I want to teach you for a moment because I need you to see this. Because some of you are, are still very uh, on edge, defensive even, because of your upbringing. I want to show you why we believe what we believe. Allow me a moment to just give you a picture as to why we believe that the indwelling and the infilling are two separate moments in your life. Okay? The moment you receive Jesus indwelling. This is a different matter. In Samaria it says they were already believers. They had already professed Christ as their savior. And as they prayed these believers. They prayed for these new believers. They prayed that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Wait what? Because the Holy Spirit, quote, had not yet come upon any of them. So there was another experience that they needed to have. Are you seeing this? Some people would take their lives and go, I received Jesus. That's all the Holy Spirit I need. In theory, I believe that God has more for you too. How many are with me? So they were believers already. They had accepted Christ already. So now after receiving Christ already, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit was present. Everybody nod your head if you agree with me. I just want to, I want you. Okay, so the indwelling was already there. But then they say something like new believers so they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet. I didn't make this up. Is this in your Bible? Okay, it's in your Bible, right? So... They simply were baptized in water. So Peter and John placed their hands on them. And they prayed that they might receive the Holy Spirit. There was a second experience. Can you see it? It was a second. It was separate. It was something different. It was something more. And I don't know about you, but when I was 15 years old. Actually, at this point now, I was 16 years old. And I sat in that convention center. And he starts talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, I want anything and everything God has for me. Because if you grew up where I grew up, you want everything you have. Anything and everything that God has for you. 
I said, I need every bit of it because I'm in the public school system. Come on, somebody. I need every bit of the Holy Ghost you can give me. Drop, like seriously, pour it out. Like every drop, I'll wait. Right? So can you see with me looking at these verses? Look in your Bible. Don't just, don't believe what's on the screen if you don't want to. Look into your very Bible and see that they had talked about already accepting Christ and they had yet to receive the Holy Spirit. And what he was talking about was that spirit baptism. Let's look a little further. Because I believe that God has something for everyone in this room. And it has something to do with the Holy Spirit in your life. Your life is Christ's. But there's something you need to have happen in your life. You need God's gifts. You need God's gifts. There's some of you that are called to prophesy. There's some of you that are called to have a word of knowledge. There's some of you that God has called and put gifts in your life. You're afraid of it. Some of you are afraid of it. Don't be afraid of everything the Father has for you. Don't be afraid of anything the Father has for you. We live in an area here that you can find the most, um, how do I say, excited spiritual believers. And then you have those that just want to do church. And every area has those people. Both of those people. I don't know about you, but I want the fullness of the gospel. I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit activated every day in my life. Because man, I mess up sometimes. Anybody ever mess up? I need the spirit to be active and activated, triggered and ready to go. When he says go, go. Here's what I see a lot of churches. Man, and I wish I had a... I had the visuals this morning for this. But I believe a lot of people treat the Holy Spirit... Like a rowboat instead of a sailboat. And, and this, was, this was spoken recently. And I believe that a lot of people, here's the difference. You could treat the Holy Spirit like a rowboat where you're doing all the work. You're doing this and you're doing that and you're moving yourself. You're the one getting from A to B. But I believe that the Holy Spirit active in your life is like a sailboat. He'll move you the direction he has to move you and you're just going with it. You're going with what the Spirit has. You're going because he's leading you. You're going because he's empowering you. You're going because he is leading you. Not because you have the oar in your hand. There are times we treat the Holy Spirit like that. And I refuse to lead a church of people that stand around with their oars going, Pastor, we need to go this way. There are times, I get it, I'm not saying be disorganized. You follow what I'm saying? I'm saying that we organize until the point where God says otherwise. We are led as a people with sails. We have sails on this ship. And we're going to use them. We're going to let God lead us. We're going to let God speak to us and move us. And I believe that the power of Pentecost is available to us today. Point number one. The Holy Spirit enters my life when I experience salvation. The first thought is this. When the Holy Spirit enters my life, I experience salvation. Then, you, then, you know, I'm good. I don't need anything else. But scripture describes that every person born is born a sinner. That we're born with this tendency to sin. Anybody ever sinned? Three people have sinned. I have the most godly church in America. 
One in the back is like, nobody sees me. That's why I sit here. People in the front are like, no way, everybody sees me. People in the middle are like, I'm surrounded by people. I don't want to raise my hand. You can't win. But we're incapable of knowing God by ourselves. We're spiritually dead. Without Christ, we are spiritually dead. How many agree with that? Can we agree at least on that? Okay, so when we try to do things for God and we try to know God and we, we can't because we're spiritually dead, then we pray, God, what's wrong with me? Nothing is wrong with you. The same thing that was wrong with you from the beginning. You just haven't given him the ore. You haven't given him control. Hello? Okay, so here's what the Bible describes. Here's how the Bible describes God. There is... God the Father who created everything. God the Son, right? God came in the body of Jesus to reveal God to us, to show God to us. And everything we need to know about God, we're looking at Jesus and how he responds to life. And he's our example. Am I good so far? Since he's Jesus is God in the flesh and he went to the cross and he paid the price. And, and for all of my sin and he was punished and he was innocent and he was holy. He was punished for me. And I pray, God, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Wipe away my past. I put my trust in you. We have our slate wiped clean before God. And then we don't know what to do from there. Many of us, we just kind of like try to figure it out as we go from that point. Father, Son, and yeah, that spirit thing. We don't realize that the Holy Spirit... Now wants to be activated in your life. He wants to be activated in your life. God wants to activate you more than you want to be activated. He wants to baptize you more than you want to be baptized. He wants to fill you more than you want to be filled. And I don't understand the sovereignty of God. Look at me, church. I don't understand the sovereignty of God because some of you have been praying. I want the spirit of baptism. You've been praying for a long time. I don't know how that works sometimes, to be honest with you. But I know one thing is for sure. The more you make yourself available, the more chances God can do something in you. Just continue to make yourself available. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised when Jesus says, you know, come to me. Because the Bible is very clear that you must be born again. Very famous passage in John chapter 3. The famous Nick at night passage, right? Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the night. Nobody knows what's happening. Some of y'all just get it? Okay. Welcome back. Naked night. Got it. Roger that. You can continue, Pastor. All right. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and he says, um, Oh, yeah. Uh, let, can we talk now that nobody's around? <laughs> now that nobody can see me, <laughs> I have a few questions. Says, How could a. How can a child go, go back into them? What are you talking about? It was foreign to him. How can a child be, what do you mean be born again? Tell me. And so here's what Jesus said, a very famous passage, John chapter 3. He's talking to a religious leader, Nicodemus, and he says, flesh gives birth to flesh, you know, natural birth, right? And he says, human beings are born, but the spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, gives birth to spirit. So the spirit of God makes your spirit alive. 
You following me so far? Track with me because he said this. You should not be surprised by me saying that you must be born again. This is right out of the scripture. This is where the phrase born again Christian comes from. The idea that we are born again. Inside, God gives birth to the new you. The spirit of God makes the real you, the real you that God intended you to be you. I said you a lot there. But the you that God created is activated. You should not be surprised. To be born again means to be born again spiritually. Have you been made spiritually alive? Because, see, when God does stuff with the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, there's only one prerequisite that you know that God is active already and alive in your life. We talked about it in our baptism information meeting this morning. You can't celebrate a God you never met. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says that the Spirit of God testifies to my spirit that I am a child of God. The moment we give our lives to Jesus, we are a child of God. I won't go into too much there, but whoever believes in me, let's look at John chapter 7. Whoever believes in me, is Jesus speaking. As scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from where? From within. By this he meant the spirit whom he believed. Who believed in him were later to receive. Another moment Jesus describes, he says, John chapter 7, he says, whoever believes in me. Right? Now this hints to something special. This hints to not just something that happens in us. So we talked about salvation, right? The Holy Spirit enters in you, right? Now Jesus is talking about something flowing through you. Did you know that God doesn't want to... God doesn't just want to do something to you. He wants to do something through you. Right? And so he's talking here and he says, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. That's good news. The spirit of God will not just enter your life, but he then will be released throughout all of your life. He wants to have access to every area of your life. So if you sense like maybe you should do something a little different here, maybe you should act differently listen to the spirit of god there because he wants to help you god didn't just put you on earth to survive another week can i get your undivided attention for a moment because some of you live in survival mode every day of the year i don't want that for you as your pastor i don't want that for you i want you to be activated in the holy spirit i want you to be filled with with the Holy Spirit continuously. Someone, someone once said, why do I need to be continuously filled with the Spirit? Because I leak. I leak. My life is broken. I'm a broken vessel. And it's times I mess up and I need to be refilled daily. Yeah. And like you, I have my struggles sometimes. There's times I don't want to pray. There's times I don't feel like worshiping. There's times I'm on my way to church and it's not like Holy Spirit encounter happening in the car. Sometimes it's put your seatbelt on or I will whip your tail. I told you 16 and a half times. Half time I had my back turn you. That's only half. Right? It's not all like, 
this, those, those moments, but it doesn't change the fact that we need to be continuously, come on somebody, filled with the Spirit, asking God, release on me everything you have. Because I need it. God wants to use you. And He wants to use the Holy Spirit in your life. He wants to explode in you. Can I say that? The Spirit of God wants to be in every believer. My point number two, here it is. Because I got a phenomenal message. And it has two points. The Holy Spirit erupts. Now for that, I got four bonus points. The Holy Spirit erupts from my life when I experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit erupts in my life and it erupted that day. April 1st. I made a fool of the devil. I did. It was on April Fool's Day. I was at a youth convention. And God filled me with his precious Holy Spirit. I was crazy. I was like, this is amazing. I can't believe what God has actually entrusted me with. The Holy Spirit says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So I said, what? I'm just a a Puerto Rican trying to make it happen. What do you mean? See, in the Spirit, we don't understand all that entails. But see, I want to make an example here for a moment. We see this can of very godly drink, sort of. Um, I was going to use Dr. Pepper as an option, but it wouldn't have made it to the altar. Pastor Josh would have drank it. So I had to choose something that less likely for it to disappear. See, I want to talk to dads for a moment. Because if you're a dad in this room, you need the Holy Spirit to lead you. If you're a mom in this room, you need the Holy Spirit to help you nurture. If you're a student in this room, you need the Holy Spirit to help you grow. Look at me, students. You need the Holy Spirit to help you grow. If you're a married couple in this room, you need the Holy Spirit in every area of your life. You need an eruption. The Holy Spirit, like, blow it up. Holy Spirit, starts fresh. So I want to tell you something real quick. Because there's gas and carbon in this bottle here. And media team, you're going to have to follow me. Because, see, what happens is there's, there's a lot going on in this can in here. Right? And what's, what is necessary to make happen is already in here. It's already in here. Right? Nothing at all. That is necessary to drink this drink is outside of the drink. It's already in here. You open this for me? I don't understand why. Everything that is necessary, are you awake? I'm going to make Josh work for this. Every single thing that is necessary to enjoy this Mountain Dew is in here. Every bit of it. You see, some of you are looking at me very 
like you want to hurt me. Seriously. Like, so, I'm very shocked at some of the look I'm getting right now. Like, Pastor Tony, I love you, but I will hurt you. Everything. Sharon, everything that we need is in here. Pastor Josh, we just need to stir it up sometimes, right? Choo-choo. And so what I'm saying is that no matter what happens, this drink is still the same drink. Everything that is contained in this drink, now that I got your attention, some of you are like, you were sleeping a minute ago. The front row is no longer sleeping. Every gas, every carbon, everything needed is already in here. Sometimes the only way to get something out is to shake it. Don't underestimate your trial as if God has forsaken you. Some of the best things God is ever going to do with you starts with him shaking what is happening already inside of you. And the Holy Spirit, every bit of that is already in you. Now you just need to activate it. You need to open up your life. (laughs) He's like, I got a good sweater on. I'm good. If you pop this cap, everything that is in here is exposed. (laughs) You know, I find that I'm so spiritually hungry for everything God has for you and for me. And I find it very, very convenient that on this day, God poured out his spirit and he used normal people, people that failed him. People that left him, people that denied him, people that didn't want any affiliation with him. And he still poured out his spirit upon them. It was them. It wasn't the perfect people. It wasn't the perfect people. It was the the ones that had rejected him, the ones that turned away from him. So let me say this to you here today, that the Holy Spirit... Wants to overflow in you. Acts chapter 2 verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues. As the Spirit enabled them. Listen we're a church that believes that this is for today. Let me make it very clear. This is for today. If there's ever been a wonder. Wonder no longer. That God wants to use the gifts. That he has given his church. Here and now. Activated in you and in me. What shakes you often will make you later. The things that shake you often will bring the best out of you. So we run from it. We think, God, don't shake me too much. And God says, I want to shake you. I want to do some things with you. So we look at Acts chapter 2 verse 4. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And another time that the Holy Spirit poured out, Acts chapter 19, verse 6. Let's look at another one. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. As a church, we believe that that that, that tongue is an evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
It's one of our truths. It's one of the things we believe. Because we look at the scripture and time after time, we look at Acts chapter 2 verse 4, as we just looked at. Then we look at Acts chapter 19 verse 6, again. Then example number 3, Paul placed his hands upon them. We look at that, right? Example number 3, Acts chapter 19. We look at throughout in different parts of there, where the Holy Spirit began to work and speak. And the people were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Does that make you more saved? No. Does that make you more believer? No. Does that make you more powerful? Just having the tongue itself doesn't make you more powerful. It's the Holy Spirit in you that makes you powerful. Tongues is just the evidence of it. So what, what I'm saying to you is this. If you want more of God, you're in the right place. Because he has more for you. And there's not a person, look at me, there's not a person on this planet that wants more for you than God does. Not one. Not your spouse, not your son, not your daughter, not your loved ones, not your mom, your dad. Nobody wants more for you than God wants for you. So what we believe is true to be this, watch this, that everything he has for us is available if we ask. Does he give everything when we ask it? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. We don't know why. I, if I was to tell you that he gave you every time you asked, I would be lying. Right? I would be lying because the reality is that there's not a single time in our life that we've prayed every single time we got everything we wanted. I don't know about you. If, if that's happened to you, see me after service. I need to know some things. Because I prayed for some things at times and it didn't happen. You know what? I trust the sovereignty of God. I have to. Because he sees the big picture. He sees what I can't see. Let me pause here for a moment for the skeptic. Some of you in this room, I know some of you are listening to this. And no matter what you think about where you grew up, I'm asking you to just relax for a moment. Because God's got this under control. Some of you grew up understanding the gifts of the Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, tongues, healing, all these things. You grew up around that. Me? No. I did not. I grew up going to Catholic church. Nobody raised their hand. That's what I did. That was my part. I put water. Nombre del Padre, Hijo, Espíritu Santo. Amen. And I have a seat. Then the preacher, pastor, father, tells me what I'm supposed to believe. Then I kneel. Adonai, holy, holy. I believed him. When you can speak in Greek, I'm with that. Cool. And then my part was Hallelujah. Amen. Done. That was my part. That was me growing up. I'm not, listen, I'm not mocking. I'm, you hear what I'm saying? I'm saying that was my part. That was all my part. To say amen to whatever he said to be true. Right? But I realized later in my life that God actually wants to have a personal relationship with me. And that blew my mind. The Holy Spirit actually wants to do something in my life. So here's what I want to do. I have more notes. What I'll do is I'll post them through the week. Because I believe there's four ways. And maybe I'll shoot through some of these real quick. 
Number one, four ways that the Holy Spirit is released. Number one, praise. One of the things I did when I came forward that day is I praised and worshiped God. That's what I did. He said, come forward that day. Remember what I'm talking about? April 1st, right? 1994, April 1st, 1994. I went forward and I knelt down and I started praising God. That's what I did. I believe that when you praise God, it's no longer about you. When you put him in the foreground, you allow God to work in your life. Praise is key. Praise is key. You can't just be like, God, I'm waiting here whenever you want to like touch me and stuff. Whenever you're ready to feel me, like I'm here. I got time. As long as I get to the buffet by, I got time. Kids don't get out of breakaway for a little while, so I'll just stand here. Whatever you want to do to me. I'm here. Just do it fast because I can't. I got to go. It's, it's about giving yourself to God. It's about praise. It's about saying, I want, I want more. And no matter what, I want more. You with me? Praise. Number two, prophesy. Or prophecy, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. God, God does something in those moments. And prophecy is, is, is it's an interesting thing because in the New Testament, we look at the Old Testament. Old Testament, prophecy was oftentimes things that are going to happen. In the New Testament, it moved into a new realm of not just what's going to happen, but what can happen. It moved into not just telling what was going to happen but speaking things to happen in your life i prophesy to my son when i drop him off uh, many times at school in the morning you know what i do watch this i speak into his life i grab his head because he comes and gives me a hug it's coming from the back seat i grab his head and i put it next to me you know what i tell him i say you are loved by me your mother and your father in heaven i speak life to you and i speak purpose and destiny and i let him go and he knows I'm going to do this every time he comes forward. He puts his head down and then he puts it on my shoulder. And I speak that into his life. I prophesy into his life. I speak purpose. I speak destiny. Because I know that the world is speaking curses. I know that the world wants his soul. I know that the world wants his flesh. I know that the world wants his imagination. But I will, I will die before I allow the world to speak into the son that God has given me. I will speak into my son. I will prophesy. I will give life. I will speak life to what is dead and give hope to what is hopeless because that's the word he's given me for my children. I will prophesy to my children. Speak to his life because everyone else has a voice in his life. Why shouldn't I? And my voice should be the loudest. As a father, your voice should be the loudest prophetic voice your children know. As a mother, your voice should be the loudest nurturing prophetic voice they have ever heard. You have to be. You have no choice. Third is prayer language. They spoke in other tongues. I touched on that. They began to pray in their prayer language. And they spoke in tongues. Stop running from it. Embrace the possibility that maybe what you were taught about tongues. And the fact that it wasn't for today. And the fact that it's it's of the devil. And all those things that some of you have heard. 
I don't know about you, but my experience has been the very opposite. I believe God encourages, builds the body, and he gifts the body. You want to know more about this? I'm going to post more this week about it. And last but not least, power. The Holy Spirit wants you to give him permission. So here's what I want you to do all across this room. You can cut that feed. And I'm going to ask you to stand right where you're at right now, all across this room.